Happy end of the week to everybody, and welcome to another episode of Countermeasures. I'm Bruce Nixon. Greg Rath here. In the foxhole in the West Valley. We are literally underground in the foxhole tonight, Greg. What do you think of that? I'm feeling awesome. (laughs) Actually, you know, people think, oh, there's no basements in Phoenix. Oh, contraire, mon frere. And we're in one. And it's cool and uh, safe. No matter what happens, which is excellent in every regard. Tonight's episode is brought to you by... Do we have our little cheat sheets anywhere? Lifeboat Coffee. It is Lifeboat Coffee. But Corner of 7th Street and Dunlap. Somebody stole mine, though. I, I just and OLT Fab. <laughs> OLT Fab is fabulous! Fabulous! <laughs> Jesus! No erection is too big or too small. <laughs> but it's heavy. 2301 West Broadway. All your steel needs. 602-276-4841. All right. We got the formalities out of the way. Tonight, we thought we'd do something a little offbeat. Sometimes we get down and dirty and really serious. And we're very happy that you've joined us for yet another episode. Tonight, we're going to do what we'd like to call our monthly film review. Which, you know, if I don't say so myself, which I will, but... You like movies. Love them. I like movies. Sometimes on the weekends, because we both work like dogs, we actually end up watching the same films, which is kind of funny when you think about it. Because he's my little brother. He's leaner and less fat. He likes to watch the same movies, and I can't help it. Right. Is that right? That's right. All right. Are you done pulling everything up? You know, I'm just trying to... You're clickety-clacking away. I'm clickety-clacking away. All right. We're going to do two films tonight. Okay. We're going to do two films that we thought that you would love. You may have seen them already. You may not have seen them. If you have not seen them, we encourage you to see them both. Now, the second one has a very, it's a true story, very deep, very great, and we'll introduce that in a moment. The first one, I will call it a drama, which is also threaded with comedy. It's Last Flag Flying. Excellent movie. Loved it. Steve Carell, um, uh, Brian Cranston, and Lawrence Fishburne. 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 Born. Whatever. (laughs) I was thinking born identity. But they star as former Marines and sailors who served in Vietnam. Right. Who uh, then go on to lead their own separate lives. Right. And then the character of Steve Carell has a son who enlists in the Marine Corps. Against his dad's wishes, too. Right, that's a good point. So, wh- when you f- you saw it for the first time last weekend, excellent. Yeah, excellent. I did too. Yep. What was your first impression though? Like when you're getting into the film, you're like, "Is this going to be?" Uh, I was bored right off the bat. I was like, "Okay," because Cranston's character was over the top. Uh, Cranston, I didn't have a problem with Cranston. I had uh, Carol. Or what was his name? Steve. Steve Carell. Carell. The way um, he made the introduction. Yeah, he just kind of a he. He kind of a kind of wimpy and I didn't like it there wasn't a hook but it turns out that he was a bad hombre and was actually the stand-up guy and took a fall for right. for his guys uh getting in trouble and that sort of thing so he really you know he he actually was probably the most intestinally fortituted um guy out of the three I would say Right, and then I thought also in the development of the characters, like Steve Carell's character was a father of a Marine who served apparently in the Middle East, you know, during combat in Afghanistan. But just an ordinary guy, right? Yeah. Of the three characters, he was a sailor. Probably the least successful, too, because of what he'd been through. Right, and just kind of ho-hum, which I really thought it set the stage... Yep. For what we're getting at at yep. the heart of this, yep. Richard Cranston plays a crotchety old Marine from Vietnam. Lawrence Fishburne, of course, plays the Reverend, a reformed vet who turned a clergyman. Right. What did you think of that? I mean, was it kind of off-putting? No. Well, no, absolutely not. I would imagine seeing death and destruction and carrying some of the guilt that they carried with what had occurred with their buddy that died and you know how miserably he died and you know that sort of thing i think um i think it was it was a natural progression for him to 
to find Jesus and to seek forgiveness. I mean, you know, that's one of the one of the key neat things about you know finding Christ is to be able to set that guilt down because everybody's got it, you know. And so I really enjoyed that part of the movie, frankly. Not to mention he was kind of down to earth, especially when he got away from with his, from his wife, right? And he started throwing down an f bomb here and this that and and you're like, all right, here's the old here's the old uh, Fishburne, right? And, and the, it was good. Really understands what's what, and I think that's a great point. And you might be asking yourself, if you're listening to countermeasures tonight on Anchor FM or Spotify, why are they talking about movies? And I think this is an argument, not an argument, but a statement. That sometimes we enjoy that art imitates life, and sometimes life imitates art. I, I know there's an argument there, but in the grand scheme of things, when you talk about the deep core values of what this program is trying to espouse, never mind those dogs barking, they're, they're <laughs> harmless. But that, that adherence to family and God, and just that loyalty and all those qualities that these three men show throughout the film are stellar. It's something you don't see all the time. No. No, you don't. And, uh, you know, and it, and it points back to, you know, our foundation of family and God and and just seeing them kind of revert back. And they were the, kind of their own family because none of them had anybody other than, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, who was kind of the... It was kind of fun because he was the one that was so adamant about not getting involved with going and burying uh, Carell's uh, son and all that sort of thing, even though he, he's the minister. And so the dichotomy there was kind of interesting. And so I, re- I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that part. I, I, I like that. I really like that because he truly, I guess... You know, he had his calling, but he really got it tested. That was truly a great test for him because he had to, he had to, you know, kind of visit, look at his mirror, look in the mirror and see his own demons. And I think that's a great point. And we're not going to try and spoil the movie too much, but we want you to watch it. But the basic premise is Steve Carell's character, who emerges from the shadows to go look for guys he hasn't served with for 40 plus years, finds two guys that he was intrinsically involved with. And then he tells him, my son was killed in combat as a Marine in Afghanistan. Will you help me bring his body home and to be buried in Arlington? Which is kind of the stage is set. Right. And you and I are like, oh, probably the same kind of guys. Like, hoorah. That's really awesome. The guy was killed in combat. He's a Marine. He saved his buddy's life. So let's put him in Arlington, right? Yeah. Seemed legitimate. Right. And as the story unfolds, we later find out, as a test of character, that this kid, who's a Marine, was really just helping kids out in the village, stopped to get his buddy's cokes, and was ambushed and shot in the back of the head. Yes. Which sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, you're you're thinking that he's going to die a hero, which he did. I mean, he died in another country helping people, but it wasn't that, you know, gun battle right. hero, you know, that he sort didn't, of thing. He was no Sergeant York, is what we're saying. Right. He didn't take on the, the whole brigade of enemy fighters and kill right. them all, win the CMH or a Silver Star. He really just was a good man, a Marine, who was helping the locals and his teammates by going to the store to buy some Cokes. Right. And lost his life. And lost his life. What did you think about how that part of the story was unveiled? What do you, I mean... Well, I mean, did it surprise you? Uh, no, because, you know, I think there's... <laughs> and we talk about this as well, the distrust of our government. You know, we don't want to look bad. We want to justify, you know, or the government wants to justify their actions and spending money and decisions and so, no, nah, I wasn't surprised that they were, that the government hid how he, so they could, you know, hid how he died so they could justify. Now, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they did it. I, and I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, the director, uh, Link, Link later, I don't know what his thought was. You know, was he, were they hiding it because, uh, 
they were embarrassed or were they hiding it because they wanted Carell's character to feel good about his son dying. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but I still think when you watch the movie, you re- I, I think you're, I, I think it was the former. I think it was a distrust, you know, of their government. And, um, well, these are three combat vets from Vietnam, an era where ostensibly we were going to go save the world. You and I are both students of history, right? We do know that our boys, in South Indochina did stop the advance of communism, which on the face of things is a good, but the the way that it played out and the horror and the, the stupidity of how it was played to the American people and the way that it was played out, not letting our military win de facto in Vietnam was a political disaster. I think you agree with that. I agree, and I think there's a, you know, I have a friend of mine that uh, was pretty instrumental in a lot of things when it came to post-World War II stuff. Um, He was sneaking in and out of uh, East Germany. Um, He was was well-versed in the Korean War, uh, flying... um, Flying for the uh, for the government, he flew Air America in Vietnam, and I asked him about you know these police actions that we lost, and he goes, you know, on the face, you're right, it looks like we lost it, but he goes, it was such it it was a much bigger, a much bigger. These were pieces of the bigger puzzle, and what the way he described it was, these were maybe battles that we lost on the face, but he goes. The ultimate goal was that wall coming down and the downfall of the Soviet Union. And that was the wind. So I think... There's a lot of bumps on the road to that wind. Sure, sure, absolutely. Which you don't have to like. It's just big picture, little picture stuff, right? And I agree with that. But China is the big threat, right? Right now, yeah. But I'm saying as a communist bloc... We were fighting them too. That's what I'm, my point yeah. is. They were the ones supplying the South, I mean, the North Vietnamese and the Koreans. Koreans, right? absolutely. And, you know, and they were probably being financed by the Russians. I mean, you know, who knows? It's all part and parcel sure. of the same thing. Which makes this backdrop of the film so much more exciting. Cause right. Because these guys lived it, right? right? It's like you and I. Right. We're in Sunny Slope every day. Right. We slug it out in Sunny Slope every day. Slugging it out in Sunny Slope. Right. That's going to be a, we should make a t-shirt. That's a new lifeboat life t-shirt. <laughs> Slugging it out. Slugging it out in sunny, sunny slope, slope day by day. But you know what I mean? We're just there. We're in the grind. You know what right? I really what I really liked about this movie? And I'm trying to figure out. The box office was $1.9 million, And I would imagine it costs a bit more to make. And I'm looking all over here on the other page with regards to the greater film. Right. And right. it was there a budget of $9 million, but only made $2 million. You know, I find it very interesting. I would not say this movie is Academy Award winning when it comes to Last Flag Flying. But I will tell you, when we get into greater, uh, Neil McDonough should have won an Academy Award. But I find it very interesting that that uh, that the, the, the Christian undertone on both of these movies, more so in greater than The Last Flag Flying, even though there was... Because you could see Lawrence Fishburne cracking that hard heart of Brian Cranston. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the whole goal. But God forbid we talk about God in on the big screen because nobody wants to talk about that. And that's why I think really I gravitated these gravitated towards these movies because who doesn't like a feel good movie? But I liked the Christian undertone. And it wasn't slap in the head. I, a little bit more with greater than defi- than last flag flying, only because of Lee character. Right, it's a true story. Right, by the way, yeah. Um, but I just find it interesting and in how it dovetails into our beliefs that that foundation, you know, Fishburne, who didn't want to have anything to do with it, broke through using uh, Steve Carell's um, character to break through, and you know. Then what, what happened? Uh, Cranston and Carell 
they're going to end up being partners in their bar. And now they have family because neither one of them had family. Right. And, and they're going to keep in touch it's and all that sort of community. thing. I loved it. I absolutely loved that Getting movie. Getting back to the idea of Oscar performances, though. From my vantage point, being a student of film, mm-hmm. I have a degree in broadcasting arts, which includes film. I thought Cranston delivered an Oscar. Cranston's incredible. Cranston, you right. know, obviously Breaking Bad was his biggie. But in the infiltrator, he and was sidebar. Did you get into that program at all? Did you watch it? Breaking Bad? Yeah. Watch the whole thing. Yeah. I, He's spectacular. I, I try to get in. I, I loved it because it. I love watching him go crazy. Yeah. You know, innocently enough, he's like, okay, you know, I'm going to die. You know, I'm worried. I'm washing cars. I'm you know, that bullshit, sort of yeah. thing. And here's this buffoon, essentially, yeah. that turns into this master criminal. And uh, it, it, it was, it, it was, and it was hysterical. You know, this, this horrible, I mean, we joke about we joke about the drugs and stuff, which is not a joking matter. And he was supplying methamphetamine that got to all kinds of victims. But I think dark humor is the greatest humor of all. Yeah, I, I just meant to underscore, I thought his acting was Oscar worthy in this film. Wow. Okay. I really did. Because think of the character. If, that I, he base, if I base his acting. <sighs> I again, I, I think he did a, again. I thought he did an, a, fan. In a supporting role. I don't mean lead yeah, actor. No, I, I guess I don't mean any of that. But I guess he carried the film. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, he carried right. the film. And it, I just learned uh, reading an article the other day that this, the uh, last flag flying, is also a true story. Right. It's actually based right. on the life of a marine who lost his life and his dad, and which makes it a little more powerful to watch if you've. Just tuned in, of course. Well, it's countermeasures. If, and you know what? Even, FM. You know, and even if it wasn't a true story, I would imagine... It's a great story. It's a great story. And I've talked to plenty of veterans, and it doesn't have to be just Vietnamese or Vietnam vets. I've talked to plenty of veterans. In fact, Will came in today. Um, Army Ranger, Will. Right. Six foot five, full of muscle, eats a Vegemite sandwich. You know what I, He's that guy. <laughs> did you know he did seven years in prison? He did or his thought, sister did? He did. What did he do? It was methamphetamine. He did? Yep. After Rangers? After Rangers. But I tell you uh, what. I had no idea. Uh, Christian guy got in touch with God and is now helping veterans. And, you know, I would imagine well, you know what? cut it, from the same funny. fabric as these guys. It's it's funny. Of course, it's radio. You're tuned to countermeasures. I'm Bruce Nixon. He's Greg Rath. This guy, Will, is a... Six foot five, badass. When you look at him, you think Army Ranger. Oh, without a doubt. You know what I mean? You see operator. You don't see former drug addict prisoner. No. Never would have thought that. And I tell you what, that that goes to show you. He he was, and this is totally sidebar, but he talked about some of the um, training that he got when he was in there and he got involved with some military um, um, rehabilitation groups and stuff like that that really really helped him. Yeah, and we talked about that in previous shows with regards to recidivism rates and rehabilitation. Right, he was a perfect example of a, a you know a, a guy that was heading in the wrong direction, but did well and came back out the other end smelling like a rose. <clears throat> and gosh darn it, I'm telling you. I'm not on the other team, but if I were, that guy is a stunning figure of a man. He's a bad hombre. He just and he carries himself like you know what. If you crossed him, he'd kill you. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm six foot two, pushing four hundred pounds, some muscle, some mush. This guy's six five, lean three hundred. Yes. He's just badass. Yeah, he's a, he's and he's a and he's the nicest guy. And super nice. Guy. You know, I met him. I met him. I think on, you met him at the scene of an accident. At the scene of an accident, he stayed. He had some video, helped out. Was really cool. Met him. Got him over to the coffee shop, and he's been a kind of a buddy since. We're gonna, we're actually gonna work on some stuff with regards to helping, working on a homeless project that I'd like to start. I'm kind of spitballing it with him, but I think he's going to be kind of a fun guy to work with because he's he deals with homeless veterans all the time. So I think using his some of his brain power and his experience is going to be cool. But back to the movie. Um, yeah, let's get to the end because we have about half a show left to get over mm-hmm. greater. And the greater film, which we'll talk about in a minute, is uh, also a true story. It's got to do with football, one of my passions, and Not Christianity, anymore. another one of our passions. 
Not but enough. to finish off this film, when we're talking about uh, the nuances of how God works within your life, when they were danged and determined to put him in Arlington because he was a hero, his father learns that he was actually shot in the back of the head. Right. He died just doing a menial errand. He was murdered. It wasn't a it wasn't Let's a just battle. call it that. Yeah, yeah, he was murdered. Yeah, it wasn't a combat-related no. injury. No. So the dad's like, well, I'm just going to bury him in a suit in the that yard is, yeah. next to his mom. Yeah. And the, the, the program really dives into this question of... Where should he be buried? Where should he be buried? And let's face it. I'm a vet. As a vet, what's your standing? Is your standing for honor because you were murdered? I mean, or killed in combat or because you raised your hand? So throughout the whole thing, I'm like, I'm like, put him in his uniform. Bury him with the mom. Put him in his uniform. I'm thinking that in my mind. Like, right. He's a Marine. He deserves to be buried in his uniform right. because he earned that right when he raised his hand and made it successfully through training. Right? That was my rooting through the whole thing. And, of course, we're happy to report that through the machinations of the film, he ends up buried next to his mom. Well, and I think we're leaving out a very key part was the right. letter... That, well, I was going to I was going to toss that well, to the, you. you know, cuz there was the big argument whether he was going to be buried in Arlington. There's a big fight between the military and them. And then all of a sudden late, towards the end of the movie, he gets a letter from his buddy or from from his son's buddy and basically uh reiterated or agreed with his father that he should be buried in his uniform next to his mom at the family plot, which was kind of a great culmination. And but that's how the movie ends. Right. That's how the movie ends. Right. But he what, doesn't read that letter until that problem is resolved. Right. So, Everybody's but, pushing but, him. And I guess my point is, is, you know, he's so worried about his son and, and he's worried about his, you know, losing his son. He, I guess he doesn't realize until that he reads that letter how he and his son truly think very much alike. Right. And I bet that was a huge relief in, in Steve Carroll's or in, in, in real life, in that character, the relief that he and his son were on the same page and that even though he went through all this misery in Vietnam, he went to, he went to the brig for a couple of years for doing what he did. But, uh, I think reiterating to him and confirming that he was a good dad. I think no, that I was. Think I think that the, was the. I think the that was quintessential mm-hmm. exclamation point to this film. That through all this tumult, this really. I mean, I really. We we want you to watch it, but you got to. The watch whole it. thing is. It's filled with laughter and joy. And I bet and you nuance. guys are all surprised. Well, how come? How come it wasn't on the big screen? I don't know if it was on the big screen or not. I have no idea. All I know is, you know, it should have been. I agree. I'm I'm telling you, dude, I have a degree in this. I've loved film with my dad. God rest his soul. I, I think I've watched upwards of 2,500, 3,000 films in my life. I, I love movies. I watch movies almost every day. On the weekends, I watch two or three. This film, in its essence, it's not a seven-time Oscar winner. I get that, all right? It's not Titanic. It's not even Better Fury. than Titanic. Well, you know what I mean. No, I know. It's it not, wasn't a blockbuster, and it wasn't touted as so. It wasn't, wasn't mainstream. But I'll tell you the truth from my heart, it jumped into my top five. Yeah, I would have for to say content, so. For content, yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Not for oh. grandeur, not for... Oh, for content? For top, content, top five. Probably top two for me. Yeah. I mean, and we're. I just mean that... I want people to realize that when sometimes you connect with a film... You just know it's good and true and right. Well, That's and I what think it was the, for me, you had you had a different experience over the same weekend watching the film, but I didn't watch the same films you watched earlier. This film made me laugh. It made me cry, and I, I don't you say cried? that lightly. I mean, you, yeah, it you made cried? me cry. This whole You're big baby. Well, I mean, the <laughs> ideas of what happened well, to this and guy I, and everything that happened. And I think a, a normal I'm a hu- veteran, I I was really I, responding to it. I know that uh, what I liked about it is I liked. Because I could relate to all three of those guys. Yeah. You know, whether it be Fishburne's Walk with Christ, Cranston's being just <laughs> just a no. drunk, mean, you know, just kind of a... But, but, but when you say that, 
He loved more than anybody sometimes. Oh, absolutely. He, he was he's the first. You say. He was the first guy to jump in the car with this guy. And had no idea where they were going. And hands down, just that is loyalty right, right there. Loyalty, love, and a sincere sense of regret for what happened to Steve Carell's character. Right. I think that fleshes yes. out in the film. But in all of his obstinance and all of his defects, I thought Cranston's character was the deepest loving one. But the fun part was the badgering between him and Fishburne. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Spectacular. Yeah. I laughed my ass off during that time. And talk about star but power. But what a great... But what was cool was Carol's character was brought up and lifted up because of these two guys going back I and totally forth. I totally agree with you. So, I mean... Now, and here's the thing. Talk about honest. the three musketeers. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The thing that I want to say just as a film critic in this sense is I was never and have not been a fan of Steve Carell. I never yeah, liked The Office. Boring. Nah. Never liked his films. Nah. And I pushed off for years. This film came out in 2017. Right. I pushed off watching this film for years for that reason. And I regret it. And I'm just sharing that with you. Look, if you like the idea of God, loyalty, family, camaraderie, the things that we're going to need to save our nation... This is it. I think we're five stars in recommending Absolutely. The Last Flag Fly. Yep. Would I you totally, leave it at that? Uh, let's leave it at that. All right. You're tuned to Countermeasures here on Anchor FM and Spotify. And we're just tickle pink because it's kind of a film day. But at the same time, we're looking into the deep values that make films worth watching. Well, and I think it's even more than that. I think what we're doing is we are... We are... I think... When you when it comes to bipartisanship, I think everybody loves a good a good. Everybody can revolve and relate to the big screen. Maybe we should show them in Congress. I don't think they'd figure it out. <laughs> Idiots. No, you're right. All right. So what's our next film? Set it up for us. It's called you... It's called Greater. Basically, the year is 1999. Marty Bullsworth is awaiting the funeral of his 22 year old brother Brandon. Uh while others, including Marty's mother, Barbara, have accepted the loss and put their faith in God, Marty cannot do that as he does not understand why God would take away his 22-year-old brother on the cusp of his stardom in the NFL. The doubt is shared by a stranger, the farmer, which I thought was an excellent guy. And I think that farmer, correct me if you're, I'm wrong, I think he was maybe the devil incarnate, maybe, I don't know, who does not... Uh, he doesn't. He does what he can to reinforce Marty's anger and pull him away from God. Oh yeah, we're talking about the film Greater, right? Uh, I think the film is 2020, 2019. Uh, I can't remember. 2016. Okay, I'm sorry. But anyways, so but it's a true story about an Alabama football player. Right. That's where I was headed. Um, basically, this kid is an underdog. He's too big, or he's too slow, or he, or whatever, and he doesn't. He's not. A, he's not a Division One player, and this kid wants to play for the, well, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Oh, it's and Arkansas. That, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyways, so and he is he is cut down, made fun of, As a child. even by his brother, over and over and over again. This kid had the intestinal fortitude to make it all the way, not only through high school, but as a walk on, the Arkansas Razorback got the scholarship that they swore up and down he'd never have and gets drafted by the Indianapolis Colts. Right. In fact, he was such an he was such an important figure in the NFL which I think they should glorify a kid like this before somebody else, you know, that has other goofy beliefs. Anyways, uh, you guys fill in the blanks on that one. Um but the underdog. I love the underdog. I love the underdog. I, I, that's one of my favorite. And, and this kid, they, the, after he was killed, he basically was he was drafted. He was on his way back to visit his family, and he gets killed in a car crash. What I don't know whose fault it was. It doesn't matter. But what a horrible loss. And so the story goes with uh, Neil McDonough, who I think is, uh, and like I said, if I batted for the other team, he'd be my choice. Right. Um, Set the stage, though. This is a guy you know as a white albino from Da Vinci Code. What else is he? Oh, my in? gosh. He was, in, he was fantastic in Band of Brothers, 
Reds. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. So we know he's justified, right. fantastic, fantastic guy. This, in my opinion, is probably when it comes to content, like we were talking, yeah. my number one film. Neil should have won an Oscar. In fact, I don't ever reach out to stars and stuff like that because I don't want to have them have bigger heads than they already have. But I actually wrote an email to him and told him that, you know, I was disappointed to see that the box office, box office only did $2 million when they paid $9 million for this film. And it just kind of is part and parcel with where our society is going. This film right here should be touted this kid's experience should be i mean we we show movies in kids classrooms and you know and who knows and it's garbage this should have been played for kids i mean you talk you know one of the biggest things in school they talk about bullying if this was not a perfect example of bullying and persevering through bullying i don't know what was yeah, and I think they did two devices in the film, which you started to nuance, which are important to lean on. One was a coach who he encountered early on that was loving and encouraging. And this guy represents good and all that's good and true. Yes. And then the, we'll call it a fictional mind character of the brother who is the doubter, the sower of evil. You could call him the devil. He's not a real person in the film. He's just someone who is used as a device to keep his brother, the star, uh, hating what's going on, always doubting, never presenting the truth. Even at the end, when his brother's dead, this guy's trying to, well, this guy, the devil's character, is trying to derail him. And there's a lot of triumph in this film. Triumph for the main character. Let's lay that out just a little bit, will you? Because what he went through as a young kid trying to play football, until he met that loving coach, it was all over. Well, you know, he found somebody that believed in him. And, you know, I mean, like a like a Pat Tillman, if you will. Pat Tillman, he had no business playing. He had no business on from a blueprint. If you took a blueprint of somebody that plays professional football, this kid – Burlesworth or Pat Tillman and it speaks to the heart of this kid and the hard work and the perseverance and the coaches capitalized on that and they fan the flame of that in him and you know what his belief in God and his support from his mother and even the brother who was a Debbie Downer still loved his brother and the, the what I thought was a kicker was he was 17 years older right. than him. So he was more of a father figure because the father was a drunk, remember? I do. But I really enjoyed how the Neil McDonald, uh, McDonald's character reconciled with his father, prayed over him on his deathbed, and you could see him getting closer to God throughout the movie. That was really cool. And him capitalizing on his own faith or on his faith growth through his brother. I mean, how how can that not be inspirational? How can that not be inspirational? No, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that the whole interior of the film is just a struggle between light and dark. And forgive me, I don't know who produced and directed it, but they did a brilliant job of accentuating this kid. Now, have you ever met a kid like that? That just has a... Dog, dog, just go, go, go. Interesting that you said that. I was thinking about him right now. A young man named Caden Moss. And uh, this kid has, I don't even know what he's got. I know he's got an autoimmune disease. I know it costs about $50,000 a month worth of freaking medications that he takes. I know that he has a brain tumor that I read upon that is not a great prognosis. And I met his mother through Lifeboat Coffee, um, who selfish, selflessly takes care of that kid no matter what. And I've never seen what was cool about, I, I, I link, I, I link, or I mean, I, I, I look at Tara, his, his mother and the coach, um, 
Mike Bender was his name. That's according to Wikipedia here that I'm looking at. They see the light in these kids and they do everything they can in their power to fan fan that light and in, through positive encouragement. Oh, they work their ass off. They know that it ain't going to be free. Caden knows that he's got a long road to hoe. And so did Burlesworth, Marty. And but by God, they they're 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 working on it and they're working on it and they're working on it. And the lesson to me, you know, I remember when Caden Caden's mom came up to me and said, you know, that Caden thinks I'm some sort of mentor to him. And so what's good about that is, you know, it forces you to look in the mirror and it forces you to be a better person. You know, it forces you to swallow your pride a little bit. It forces you to realize that, you know what? Sometimes that grass is not greener on the other side. Sometimes, you know, what you think is a, a, a hard day at work ain't even close to what this kid goes through every freaking day. And that's the same thing with Marty here in this film. And I think the writer, uh, David Hunt and Brian Rendell, directed by uh, David Hunt, I think those three knocked it out of the park. And I think Neil McDonough, if anybody deserves an Academy Award that guy does. And, you know, and, and I, again, I, I don't get into that. I don't watch the Academy Awards. It's self-grandizing and it's, you know, everybody jerking everybody off. And I, I just, I, I got a major issue with that. Um, but I truly, I truly am impressed with anybody that can make me cry or make me feel good or make me empathize or sympathize or walk in their shoes. And I tell you what, Neil McDonough, in my opinion, hit it so out of the park that it, it drove me to actually research how the hell to get a hold of this guy. I don't know whether or not he he probably gets this kind of stuff all the time. And so be it. I didn't do it for my I didn't do it for me. I did it for him because I really think in this day and age to put yourself out there in this kind of a movie, in this secular godless society that we're dealing with that we're that we talk about in our other pod uh, other podcast i think the bravery that it took to do a movie like that i mean it's like it's like uh, mel gibson with passion of the christ right i mean you know it takes some serious balls in that i mean if you are a republican or a conservative or a christian john voight perfect example and go against the grain the political nonsense that those people over there push and the agenda and all that and you go against the grain they will blacklist you they will blackball you you. they will bury you they will mf you and i tell you what it takes a sack with lead lead clanking balls to be able to stand up there and do that he obviously believed in that because he could have turned that part down. That guy is a, I, I don't know if he's an A list. I don't know. He's but, probably an A minus list, but but still I tell you what, close. he didn't have to do that. No, he didn't have to do that. He didn't. He didn't need the money. I mean, God, he was in Justified. He was in. Uh, he did. He, he he always plays a good bad guy. But he was in Reds. He was in. Uh, God, what was the other? Oh Jesus, he was in. Uh, what's the new one? Uh, the one that's uh, in Montana w- with Kevin Costner. What's- Yellowstone. He's in, he was in Yellowstone last yeah. season. He's a bad guy in that. Fantastic actor. A guy that really, you know, I, I, he just, he, he does such a really, really good job. I, I, I really enjoy, and he's stunning when you look at him. I mean, he is, he's got those piercing ice yeah, blue eyes. Absolutely. I, I love that guy. All right, so let's set the stage a little bit deeper. In his character, Neil McDonough plays the older brother of uh, Christopher Severo, right, in the film. And although they're so many years apart, did you did you pick up on this at all, at least? What's like, that? the guy doesn't have a faith in God. The guy doesn't have this. He loves his mom, and he loves his brother, right? Throughout right. the film, everything his little brother does, even though he thinks it's not going to happen, he shows up. He shows up for football practices. 
He shows up for tryouts at Arkansas. Everything. He plays his catch with him in the yard. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really telling. Well, he was that father figure that he he did a good job. Neil did a good job being that kind of that pseudo de facto father uh, figure in his brother's life. Absolutely loved him. Loved his mom. Was trying. He was more of a. (laughs) You got. That's that's the other interesting part. You get idealism versus realism on high in this movie. I mean, idealistically, you know, you work hard, you can accomplish anything you want. Realistically, if you're not born with superior um, genetics, um, you know, above average intelligence, because playing football, you can't be stupid to understand, you know, the, the tactics and stuff like that, especially how fast it moves and the the ability to change the tactician part of that, especially when there's billions of dollars on the line. I mean, there's no room for any type and they cut you. I mean, if you, if you miss one, you know, so, I mean, so you've got idealism versus realism and you, and, and I, I think the, the pull of Marty and the coaches and, and, and pulling, um, Neil's character towards that as well as the light, if you will, was spectacular. I, I, I so enjoyed that movie. I watched it two times in a row. It was so good because you always miss something or you miss oh, nuances. Yeah. And he had to go to the bathroom. He had to run away. I get it. But <laughs> the character Todd, of course, the big football player, throughout the film. Todd. That's his name in the film, right? Todd? Marty. No, I'm. Or, I'm sorry, uh, you're talking about Brandon Bullsworth. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah, yeah. His character throughout knows. And this is the thing that struck me watching the film. I've seen it three times. Watching the film, I see it and I go, you know what this kid knows? He knows he's not the best kid. But guess what? He tries ten times harder than everybody. Ten times? Talk about Twenty times harder. You know what? You know what I really loved? I, I forgot about this part of the movie. The relationship that he developed with his roommates. The roommates were yes, partiers yeah. and assholes, Especially making fun when they of took him. him out to dinner and got oh him drunk yeah, got him time. drunk and stuff like that. Which in and of itself was was funny until you know he and the you know he was they they realized that they messed up. But what was cool? In the rain, but yeah. the forgiveness, yeah. the forgiveness, and them realizing they did wrong, and instead of blowing it off and saying, "Oh, just grow up." They went out as a team and ran with him until he got all the alcohol out of the system. And then later on, when they got the new coach for the final year, that was cool because they're right. He's going to come in. He's going to start it all over. And um, um, Brandon convinced him. And they worked and, and worked hard and worked hard and worked hard. And he rubbed off on everybody. Right. And I mean – you know, I, and I'm trying to remember. There, there's like two or three awards, scholarships, walk-on scholarships, walk-on awards um, that you know that the NFL gives, all in the name of this Brandon Bullsworth. And if that, you know, that's it's like you know, like Pat Tillman, you know, or you know, Walter Payton, Man of the Year. Right. I mean, th- these are quality, quality people. And why aren't we as society? You know, like uh, Tim, Te- like Tim Tebow, right? Oh my gosh, well, God help you if he prays in the end zone. They're gonna, they're gonna don't MF- kneel to pray to God because you can only kneel to object to the anthem. Right, exactly. Um, God dang it! Right, I know, I know. But why aren't we? You know, out of one side of the liberals' mouth, they will mf anybody that bullies a kid or bullies anybody because of their whatever gender identity whatever call it yeah whatever i said it you do i know um but when we bring out a film that truly addresses it what's it get two million at the box office they don't yeah. why you know why yeah because there's god involved yeah because they're a f- they are like all demons offended by anything religious right and in religion lies goodness truth and beauty and that's the problem if it's good and true and beautiful and right the godless left will abhor it Mm -hmm. and that's what's happened yep absolutely anyways 
I think it should have been an Academy Award winner. I do. I think it should be an Academy Award winner. I think Neil did such a great job. In fact, uh, this Christopher Severio, nice kid, not a very good actor. Um, I wish I, you know, they, but I, I think Marty. Which was his character? What's that? Which character was that? That was Brandon. Oh, that okay. was a kid. Um, I mean, he did a great job for what it was. I, yeah, okay. But I, but again, I think uh, I think Neil stole the show, and the guy that played the farmer, who I called the devil incarnate, Nick Searcy, fantastic. This probably he nailed that too. Oh, absolutely! And I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He was with, uh, he was in uh, Justified, along with uh, Neil McDonough. He was the uh, head guy in Justified, and that kind of that gruff. Happy go lucky, but super hardworking, dedicated, loyal boss that you want to. He he personifies that, and he did such a great job because at the beginning it was like you know he's kind of his friend, he was leaning, but then he kept on pushing him away from the light, and finally Neil, uh, Marty uh, Marty Bullsworth finally tells him to go pack sand, and kicks him out. And then goes into the revival. And then realizes, you know what? And I tell you, it's it's easy to say this when you haven't gone through anything bad. You know, like this kid, Caden. You know, because the, the, the left, these these secular, godless non-godless secular. Yeah, yeah. heathens will say, if there is a God, why would he let this happen? The only thing I can tell, the only thing in my belief is... It, it obviously makes you stronger, Any, anything that's stressful. It makes you stronger. But you know why God does this? I In do. my opinion. I, I know you do, and I'm going to tell you. Okay. My, um, it teaches us to love. It teaches us. Suffering unleashes love. Absolutely. That's a summation. And so if we embrace movies like this and we embrace that, that genuine Christ love, God's love. I don't care how much money you throw at it. And then this goes back to what we were talking about. You can throw all the money in the world. Until right. you love your neighbor, until you love your family, until you love your kids, none of, that none of this shit's going to matter. None of it's going to matter. And it's gonna, we're going to piss it right down the drain. And this is a perfect example. And they talked about it. In fact, that's what brought Neil to that light, his mom, who should have been bawling. I mean, she was obviously at that beginning... But the light of Jesus was in her so awesomely because, you know, look at her at the funeral. And she was able to get Marty to finally go over that hump and realize that it was, you know, life is just a drop in the bucket of eternity. Right. And I love that because the this kid, by dying did more saved his brother's life well it saved his brother's life but did more for christianity did more for love did more for loving your neighbor than he ever did when he was alive because guess what um he's in a he's in the best place i mean you don't think he's not sitting at the right hand of uh if he's jesus not, if he's not sitting with jesus then i don't want to be right I right and that's the kind of thing it is yep but you're absolutely right it was good in and of itself and then his death, as tragic as it was, absolutely was allowed for the greater glory of God in the salvation of his brother, his teammates, his coaches, well, his did mom, you, what, and the stalwart, the stone. Did you see the rock? That my favorite. My favorite part is is the uh, when when he shows up to his coaches, high school coaches, uh, Bible study, and next thing you know. Half the team is there. Yeah, they start pushing their way in, and you could see the joy on the coach's face that he realizes this ain't about football. Right. It's got not a damn thing to do about football. This is making people better right. and being selfless and non-selfish. Right. And, and, and that's really what this is. Super and you know what? film, yeah. And what pisses me off is the left, the liberals – the non-secular, or the, the secular, I should say, the idiots in Hollywood, they preach it, 
but they don't practice it. They'll be the first one to MF you for not loving your neighbor. But if well, we only got, when they can steal your tax money, yeah, right. <laughs> right? Or when it suits them, right? If that's what it take is. Take your money as a wage earner and give it to somebody else. If they steal, somehow people, that justifies. Well, that they feel great about that, right? The whole thing is they can steal your money, give it to other people, and call themselves compassionate, which is such a false paradigm. Absolutely, but so you're right. But, that's what but, it is. But all of a sudden, you got this kid, Marty Bullsworth who is the epitome, selfless, doing it for the right reasons. And focused like a mother. That kid, uh, from the beginning of the film, is focused like a laser beam, bro. Right. Like, I've never seen anything like it in my life. The kid wanted to play football for the Arkansas Razorbacks from the time he was a little kid. And what did he tell the coaches? Just give me a shot. I'll do it. Give me a shot. I'll do it. He did everything they asked and then some. And then some. Laser focused. What if our politicians? What if football? our politicians did that? Right, that's a good point. But I, I think the whole thing about this life and about this film is not about football. Oh football God, no! Is a, this this, is this was metaphor. an avenue. This this was a. It was a foot- metaphor, <laughs> right? For the guy's whole life, right? Like he's so focused on making. Every, there was so. There's nothing about this film that isn't awesome, but just the focus of this kid to say, I'm going to do good and true and right. And you know what? The love of a mom. Did you pick that up in this film? How could you not? Well, I'm the, the How mom could you is, not? this is making me oh, laugh. Well, she, the mom she's... gave him nachos and Twinkies, and he'll be fine. Right. He's he's going to be fine. And then later in life, you know, he's no, going to eat I mean, hot look, dogs and do whatever. No, she mortgaged her house yes. to give him the... To let him go to college. All those things. That is sacrifice. Huh. And when that phone that... rang and the older brother found out that his kid had made it. Right. Oh, my, oh my gosh. That was tear jerking. Everything was tear- about this film, what we're talking about is greater. It's available on lots of streaming platforms. I've watched it a few times. How many times you got it now? Two, three times? Two times. I'm going to watch it again this week, I think. Why wouldn't you? I have... Uh, you know, it's interesting. I was over at uh, Terrace House the other morning, just brought over some lunch or whatever, just to a stop and see the kid. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I, I, re- I remember, you know, telling her about this movie, and I was describing Brandon Bullsworth, and it just naturally coincided with Caden. And his life, and his hard work, and his dedication, and his perseverance. Talk about a kid that is laser oh focused, totally yeah. positive, and he's just eleven. That kid, I was talking to his mom today. You know, on a scale of one to ten, pain and pain, one being no pain, ten being in pain. That kid averages between six and nine every day, and you'd never know it. You would never know it, in dude. A this kid years. is like he's a little saint. A, He's a big saint. You know what I mean. I yeah. mean, he's young. I mean, he's a little saint insofar as I've known him, I don't know, a couple of years now. Yeah. Never yeah. known that kid to ever complain. Have I tell you, you ever what, heard him complain? No. Ever? No. Never. Now, Mom, she'll complain a little well, bit. Well, no, but I'm saying, you know. <laughs> Tara, if you're listening, I apologize. In the grand scheme of things, we know a kid who is like this other kid from Greater. Yeah. We, we're talking about films tonight on Countermeasures. Last Flag, Flying, and Greater. We want you to watch them both. Please. But in real life, we're talking about this young man, Caden. <coughs> if you want to see hope, if you want to see hope and inspiration, I got to go with Greater over Last Flag, Flying. Okay, that's true. But they both will touch you like you've never been touched before. <laughs> no, that's an excellent way to describe it. Greater, the film about... The kid who goes through every adversity to go on and play for the Arkansas Razorbacks is drafted by the um, Indianapolis Colts at the time. Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and then ends up dying in a car accident. Before he, be ever, before I guess, I think it was before he ever played actually a pro ball no, game. I think you're right. He was drafted, got the uniforms, et cetera. But there's such an inspirational story of faith and hope and conversion. Love everything about it. In uh, Last Flight Flying... Talking about old dogs, and I'll just say it like this. We're talking about guys like you and me. We've been around. We got some wrinkles. We got some stuff going on. I got no wrinkles. 
We got some stuff going on. Let's be honest. Yeah, but I've I got think, a son. Old but you know what? And what? And you touched on it. You ever you ever been in church? I have been in church a couple once of times, or twice. and <laughs> sometimes, and every time my minister is talking, it's like he's looking right at me, talking to me. I'm like, how the, how the heck does this guy know? <laughs> how does he know? But you know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. No, it, it's not that. What it is is everybody's got issues. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got challenges, and you know what? He's talking to everybody, and we're all in the same boat. You're it may right. be it may be you have problems with a kid, or I have problems with a wife, or whatever. But the fact still remains is everybody's got these challenges. Everybody's in the same boat. I agree. And so he's not really talking to me. He's talking to all of us. He's talking about truth, right? And goodness and beauty. I have a son who's old enough to raise his hand to be a marine. I have two sons actually that could have done that. I really identify with the last flag flying because of that. But more so, I'm a, I'm a football guy. I played so many times of football, it's crazy. I listen to, and I watch Greater three times to watch the football and think, my God, this is the dedication that it takes to be awesome, right? And these things are good and true and right. And I think you'd agree, Greg, they touch your soul. Oh, without a doubt. And they make you nicer and kinder and more gentle. Well, at least one of us. (laughs) Um, I'm just saying. right? I don't want to be too soft on the program. I'm just saying. Well, that's okay, though. Would you agree, though? Well, there's nothing wrong with being soft on the program because that's kind of why we did it. Um, We're hard on people that are in charge of our country, in charge of our local government, in charge of things that and we mf them pretty hard and rightfully so because they work for us and they're working for our money but those people that uh that we're talking about could take a lesson from these young men and these guys that served in vietnam and try looking in there try looking in the mirror guys neckbeard guy that likes to carry a rifle and um you know go take a look in the mirror yeah absolutely yeah so, anyways, um, I, think you've, I think you've really wrapped it nicely around the little pillow for those who are listening, right? To say, okay, here we are on both sides, right? And sometimes you use a pillow and a silencer at the same time. Is all I'm saying. Well, I thought the pillow is a silencer. I'm saying. <laughs> um, How do you feel? You know, it's. I think this is one of our best shows. Maybe not necessarily in in, in talking, but one of probably my favorite show. Um, you know, because the lessons. I mean, we kind of tie it tie it together and using this medium, this cinematic medium, which everybody can relate to. Whether you're a John Wayne guy or you're a Mary Poppins guy or your your gal or whatever. It doesn't matter. I think anybody that watches this really can take something away from these films. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, these films are hard for me to watch because sometimes you kind of feel a little dirty and you kind of feel a little guilty because, you know, we whine and bitch about things that really in the grand scheme of things make not a damn bit of difference. Um, but I tell you that the strength that comes, I mean, it's contagious. And being around people like that, and even if it's just on the cinema screen, and I, I tell you, this is the dangerous part about it. Think about how powerful this movie was to me and to John. Think about how powerful other movies are to other people that may not have the faith that we have and how influential these people are and think about how influential these people are politically that really have no clue. They live in a gated mansion somewhere and they don't have to, they, they can bitch and whine about all the bad stuff that happens, but they don't experience any of that. And so the danger of the cinema is 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 great because everybody's glued to it and so you know this movie right here uh 
is dangerous to them. Right. You're bringing up really great points, which is part of the influence of the media on people. And our hope is that folks that are listening to countermeasures are at least politically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually on our side because the other side has just the same influence. You know, and I tell you, one of the things that, you know, and that's the hard part, too, with with this, is we talk about being on the right side or the wrong side. Um, I think there's people on the wrong side that could be on the right side very easily if they would just listen to their conscience a little bit and watch some of these movies and realize there are bigger things and more important things out there, um, such as the family, such as your kids, you know, think about how influential this movie could be on a young man or a young woman that has maybe a physical or mental ailment. And, you know, I, I encouraged uh, Tara to sit down and watch this movie before and then give, let her son watch this and see that there are people that are in the underdog situations that still prevail. Right, and I think you're drilling down on the quintessential question of the day. Like, do you have an informed conscience? If it's informed, how is it informed? But I think most people are like, well, I don't need to worry about a crisis of conscience because I live in the dictatorship of relativism. What's true for you, Greg, is not true for me. And you can't make me believe it. And I think we can get into that in another program. Right. But that's where we are. Yeah. We have truth and goodness and beauty versus banal and basil and just raw bleh, right? And I think that's pretty stark, right. right? but we can observe it. Sure. No, I agree. But hopefully, you know, with what we do, maybe we can touch a couple of people, you know? My mom, she, she talked about it being a teacher. If she could, she could help one kid a year and... Or if you could, you know, being a cop, you know, help one kid a month or one family a month or, you know, be, be that rock for them. You know, maybe this, maybe What's this, huge fi- difference? maybe this film, maybe, uh, maybe Neil's performance will touch somebody's heart and maybe that will blossom and that will Doppler effect out and touch other people, you know. And that's really... I'm going to say that's a big amen to that. But I'm going to say one kudo, you don't know what's coming. But I've known you now for quite a while. Two years, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And for those who are just tuned to countermeasures, Greg is the lieutenant with the police department, Phoenix. What you do in our little community as an example of what we're talking about, and I'm not here to blow sunshine up your ass. I'm saying from me, mano a mano, Watching you interact with the community in my little space, which we call Lipo Coffee in the little Sunny Slope community, that one-on-one engagement that you're able to provide with people in real time, I step back and I go, you know what? This is really what I always envisioned community police work and um, liaisoning with the public was always about like that true I don't know you but I want to get to know you and I love you and let's talk about real things and I just want to say thank you because I've watched this stuff and we talk about things and we get in this program stuff and movies but in real life you're the real deal and I just want to say thank you well that's that's humbling and we've been good friends for a long time and uh you know uh, I've learned a lot from you too, and your passion. I guess that's one of the reasons why we kind of gravitated towards each other is the passion for what's right and good and beauty. Is uh, and when and when you come across somebody that is like-minded, as sickly humorous as we can be sometimes, um, I think. Right. Uh, <laughs> I th- I think the growth that comes from that is, is, uh, is, is very important. And if for some, and if in some way you can 
you know, you can pass that knowledge on or at least have some sort of positive influence in some person's life. That I guess that's really what it's all about. Right. And I think this is a small little dip into that. But I'll finish tonight because we're over time. Yeah. But I'll say, for what you do in our community, from my vantage point as a business owner, a property owner, and not you're just not just my friend. You really are a cop. And you do great things. And people that are in our space really love interacting with you. So I just want to say thank you for that. I and I hope it. that people listening to the program will come see us. I'd love to talk visit to you. At 7th Street and Dunlap. Just have a cup of coffee. We'll buy you a cup of coffee and talk to us because I think we're okay. I think we're doing a great job. But really, seriously, dude, you knock it out of the park and I'm happy to be here. We're happy that we have a program and it's a nice program. Yeah, I, I agree. The I neighbors agree. have nice things and so do we. <laughs> oh, that's a great inside joke that we'll never ever tell you about. You can guess about that all you want. All right, well, we're over time. What do you want to say? Anything? Anything. Okay. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.